0: Hi, I'm Dubba. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is episode number 50 of the MTF podcast, which is not bad going. This week, let's go to space. All of us, we can all do it thanks to the work in part of Tobias Edmund, head of innovation for the Swedish National Space Agency and member of the steering board of the Industry Commons Foundation, which grew out of the MTF innovation ecosystem. I met up with Tobias in Stockholm to talk about the kinds of innovation you can get from space data, whether we should be preparing ourselves for life on another planet, and also how all industries can collaborate, share information, and put themselves in orbit, literally.
1: Hey, I'm uh, Tobias Edman. I'm a Head of uh, Innovation and Public Benefit at the uh, Swedish National Space Agency.
0: And what does that kind of entail? What's the day job?
1: Uh, the day job is a lot of meetings, actually, and uh, but I what I I mean the aims and the goals of the job is to uh, help with innovation within the space sector, especially on uh, data exploitation and uh, Earth observation analysis. That's the main target area, I would say.
0: Right, because when you hear innovation for space agency, you think of you know new types of spaceships and uh, those sorts of things, but you you deal primarily with data.
1: Yes, it's uh, been a lot of uh, effort put into uh, space infrastructure where the space spacecrafts and the satellites are part of it and they uh, are actually giving quite a lot of data. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the data is a bit underutilized, I would okay. say. Yep. So there are a great potential of uh, developing algorithms to make new services from the data.
0: So, I mean, give me an example. What sort of thing would you like to see?
1: I like to see, uh, for example, I mean, it is to some extent already used. It's used in agriculture and uh, for fisheries and forestry, but the analysis could be much better. So for agriculture, there is a really good use to uh, decide how much uh, fertilizers should be spread on the fields. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it was utilized even more and more farmers used it, then they could learn from each other how to manage the fields in the best way. And uh, you could train the algorithms actually based on a huge amount of data to uh, give better prescriptions of fertilizers, for example, or making uh, good city planning for smart cities Mm -hmm. and so on.
0: Because the space data thing, I I think it's really interesting because when... You're not f- sort of super familiar with that world, and you think of uh, space agency, you think of space data. you think of looking upwards, you think of looking at the stars and looking out, but most of what you do seems to be going up really high and looking down.
1: Yes, there's a lot of things going on and looking out as well, but it's uh, really a huge part of the infrastructure is looking down as that gives the best perspective, mm-hmm. actually, and you can cover those enormous areas. If you should uh, collect data that you can collect with a satellite with drones or airplanes, for example, Uh then you should need real armadas as the satellites are so fast up there.
0: Okay. I've got a question about satellites because this is something I've wondered for a a while. Is there the sort of the nightmare collision scenario looming for uh, so many vehicles up there sort of spinning around the earth?
1: Yeah, there is actually a kind of... Uh, there was an uh, incident in the beginning of September when uh, one of the European Space Agency's satellites, they were... It was almost a collision. I think it was like 300 metres away uh-huh. from a SpaceX satellite. And, uh, so, I mean, there is the potential for... Because
0: uh, you can't swerve. Swerve. You, you can't sort of get out of the way. Yeah, so. yeah yes,
1: yes, it does. So they made, made a manoeuvre. Uh-huh. So they... The Aeolus, the European satellite, moved away from the orbit, so they uh, put on the small uh, rocket engines that they have and then just moved down a bit okay. and then moved back.
0: Oh, it's reassuring to know they can turn in flight, but uh, there's yeah. also a lot of junk out there, presumably too.
1: Yes, it's millions of pieces of junk. Yeah,
0: does does that
1: <laughs> does that worry you? It worries uh, me. I have to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it worries. We have some examples. We have a. Really huge uh, European satellite as well. It's uh, almost big as a London double-decker, and it's up there, and it's uh, dead. So it's just uh, going in orbit round and round and round.
0: In a decaying orbit?
1: Yeah, it's coming down slowly, but I mean, I- before that, if, it gets, if that one uh, is hit by another satellite, then there would be a real problem because then uh, this, that whole orbit path would be uh, closed, actually, until everything had uh, swirled mm-hmm. down.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, okay, and and like you say, there are like a million pieces up there. Uh, is anyone tracking them all? Yes,
1: is that your job? No, that's <laughs> not my job. We actually, <laughs> we actually have a uh, one of the guys at the office is uh, responsible for space junk. Wow, or the space situation awareness. So, so that he's working with that. We are not tracking ourselves at the space agency, but there are other agencies to track them. So they use. Uh, Radars mm-hmm. to track all the objects to know where they are.
0: Yes or no? Should I worry?
1: No, you don't need to worry. I would say it's. Uh, I mean, the space is really huge, and uh, I mean, and the, the things that's falling down that that don't hurt us. It's. Uh, I mean, it's get burned in the atmosphere. But, it, but, but you can worry about uh, the infrastructure, of course. But I I think it's rather fairly under control. Most of the satellites has these uh, maneuver abilities so they can move away.
0: Okay. Yeah, the f- fairly under control isn't all yeah. that reassuring, but uh, it is mostly the infrastructure thing I'm thinking of. Because if we yeah, lose so GPS or we lose, you know, uh, satellite communications, that that radically changes things on the ground for us, surely.
1: Yes, definitely. That would be uh, disastrous, really. If, uh, but often it's not all the. Uh, I mean, this will be specific orbit areas and so on that would be the most damaged. Okay.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll be I'll be somewhat reassured. Yeah, by I
1: think you should be somewhat reassured. And there was a research going on to how to get up there and clean space oh. to, uh, if a satellite dies, for example, to be able to have other satellites that go up and retrieve them and put them out of orbit. Okay, just either pushing outwards or inwards.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're up there collecting data. I mean, you're not personally out there collecting data, but, but uh, your metal representatives in the sky are out there collecting data. What sort of data is being collected?
1: It's all kind of data. It's, uh, we have this, uh, I mean, Europe has this large uh, Copernicus program, which uh, collects a lot of environmental data mm-hmm. and they do it with diff- different kind of sensors. So it's uh, radar satellites that can see through the clouds Mm-hmm. Where you get really good views of sea surface and objects on the surface, and so on, and also you can follow in millimeters how much the land is rising or sinking, different parts of the world. So wow. that's so that's w- one kind of data where you can f- yeah, you follow infrastructure in a good way. Are we
0: way. going up or down? Uh,
1: Sweden is uh, going mainly up. Yeah. part and of it is going down, but then you can have parts. For example, if you have um, in cities if you have uh, built a pier or something you build something on the sea, on the seabed uh-huh. that could be going down quite fast actually okay and it's also infrastructure like uh, um, railways if the railway isn't uh, grounded in a, in a sufficient way then parts of the ra- rail can be sinking and parts can be rising right and it also follows how much water is it? groundwater there is if it's low groundwater then all the surfaces sinking and then if it's a lot of water then the whole surface can rise again and then we have the optical satellites more or less like a digital camera okay but it's uh, also
0: uh, i'm thinking google earth that sort of thing
1: yeah that's google earth it's a really high uh high resolution uh-huh. <coughs> and then you have different uh, in, in compared to a camera you catch the light in a lot of different wavelengths mm-hmm. so you can see things that you can't see otherwise yep. if you look into the ultraviolet uh, wavelengths, for example, Mm -hmm. which we can't see, then you can see parts of of the ocean that would be invisible otherwise, for example. And if you go into the infrared domains of light, then you have a lot of uh, effects on vegetation.
0: So it's it's measurements, essentially. Yeah, it's
1: essentially measurements, and you can mostly see them as some kind of... You can make some kind of images of the measurements, even if they aren't uh, really... Images, you get the data, and then you construct an image from the data.
0: And what are you looking for when you're looking outwards from Earth?
1: Outwards, it's uh, the birth of the universe. So it could be like that that you're looking on, uh, like the black holes and the, uh, how they are created. Uh, you can learn about the um, solar system, looking at the Sun, the planets. It's uh, I mean, uh, it's really a lot to do. <laughs> it's hard to define what you don't look at. I would say yeah. in uh, space, but it's um, it's really from uh, everything, from uh, how uh, the moves of Jupiter to uh, what is the universe actually.
0: Is there a plan, or do people just kind of follow their you know their curiosity?
1: I guess it's both actually. That they follow the curiosity, and then they make the plans based on the curiosity. And uh, really bright people. Sitting there and just uh, f- knowing that oh I don't understand that really and or we have this this theory he- here on how the universe uh, works mm-hmm. I want to test it right and then they come up with these really genius plans on really huge uh, instruments to try to see how old is the universe for example
0: how do you end up there what sort of kid were you.
1: Uh, I was uh, actually always uh, kind of interested in science and interested uh, also in biology, so I'm biology, uh-huh. so I'm not a physicist or something. Interested in landscapes and uh, the movements of animals and how things are connected. Okay. And Then I came to geographical analysis and uh, earth observation in that way, so that's, it's been uh, not straight to space, it's been... Uh, going to weigh around through biology. Right, because you,
0: you... Yeah, so, I mean, it's not a natural thing to imagine if you're really interested in animals, you should join a space agency.
1: Uh, no, but when I am at the space agency, I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's... Uh, f- from now, I can see clearly how I ended up where I ended up in a way, so it's really... But that's the, I think that's the beauty of the... Um, working with space and working with uh, the space infrastructure and data from it, that it's... You can use it if you're interested in... Uh, Nebulosa is far, far away mm-hmm. or you're interested in to see how, how does the world actually work at the surface? I, you can use the data for that uh, for all so many purposes.
0: Right. Just out of curiosity, I mean, I, I, I'm aware of uh, European Space Agency, I'm aware of NASA. I'm not aware of how the different nations of the European Space Agency sort of link up together, because you're from the Swedish National Space Agency. Yes. Uh, is there, does every country have their own space agency, and then you all kind of team up in this kind of, uh, you know, uh, I guess, the Avengers of,
1: uh, of space? Yeah, yeah it's more or, le- more or less like that, actually. Yeah. Not every country has a space agency. It could be... Uh, ministry for example that is responsible or some other organisation so uh, for some organisation for some countries it could be the um, national agency for innovation and industry or something that represents them in the european space agency it's uh, countries going together to achieve larger targets than they could or goals than they could achieve by themselves right so right. it's uh, real about european uh, cooperation
0: Okay, and so by cooperation, you mean there's a sharing of data, there's a sharing of resources?
1: Yeah, so everyone puts into it to build these uh, spacecrafts, which uh, I mean, some of the projects are so huge, so no nation could, unless US then, could bear them.
0: Right. And, and so, what's you know what are some of the big ambitions? When you, when you go, let's all make a spaceship, somebody has to ask, okay, I'm going to go with the money, why are we doing this?
1: Yes, and then it's always. I mean, uh, part of it is, of course, uh, part of it is we are actually doing it because we can do it because right. this. Uh, I mean, the curiosity, curiosity about space and. Uh,
0: but the answer can't just be because well, science uh, and and we no, don't know no, what no, we're going to find no. out yet. But no,
1: no, no, not only. Not, of course, not only, but part of it is it, uh, we build it because we can build it, and there are a strong interest to just show that we are able to build this. But uh, as it, uh, most most of the. Uh, especially in earth observation it's uh, science based and it's based on the need to know the state the state of our planet and to understand the processes of the planet Mm -hmm. and what's happening with uh, climate change and uh, all the things that comes based on on that so it's really about understanding the earth
0: is there that sort of exploration spirit that you hear? I mean, you, you think of, for instance, uh, you know, the, the Apollo missions and and those sorts of things, which is about kind of humans going out into space and conquest and adventure and, and those sorts of things. Is there an element of that to it?
1: Yes, of course. And I think that's that's the part of doing it because it's possible or just sh- testing to see can we do this, pushing the boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, so it's part of it is definitely about pushing boundaries, and uh, part of it is about uh, getting good data to understand the system. So, uh, and, and I, I kind of like the mix of it uh, because otherwise if you didn't push the boundaries, then you wouldn't be able to get the interesting data that you need to uh, mm. for uh, global sustainability and that you can use for really, for the public benefit actually. So it's uh, it's a dualism that I think is interesting.
0: I think that the interesting thing from the point of view of your job description is that you have all this data and, and I guess part of the question is what else can this data do? What else can we find out? What else can we, How do you go about sort of uh, interrogating that sort of amount of data?
1: We are setting up a space data lab in Sweden uh-huh. where we put a lot of data at a data center and then we uh, will give access both to the data and to the computing power together with uh, AI competence from AI Innovation of Sweden. So we're trying to make this uh, space AI data lab to really make it easier.
0: When you say give access, give access to whom?
1: Uh, give access to anyone interested, actually. So, it's, But we are. It's uh, we won't start with free and open access. We will uh, start with uh, opening up for uh, developers and uh, for different hackathons and for governmental use and so on and then uh, hopefully when we get use in it and we can build the uh, bits and pieces that makes things easier then we should be able to give uh, fairly free access.
0: How far could you push this idea of open data or open collaboration or bringing people in to sort of work with the, the space agency?
1: I think it would be really interesting to create some kind of uh, open spacecraft that you have this uh, the parts of the satellite as an Open product or open design, uh-huh. which then could be used by others, so uh, that you don't need to invent the whole step of it. But you so you can go and say, okay, I uh, I have these demands. I want this kind, this kind of sensor and so on, and then there is already a satellite base that you can use, and then you can order it from uh, from the industry, uh, and not only the one industry that was specific that one, but like uh,
0: you're not talking about downloading plans for a spaceship off the internet and 3D printing the parts.
1: Ah, uh, it could be, but it's I mean, often it's it's uh, more demanding than just 3D printing something. I mean, Facebook has this open server where they uh, created a this server platform, how the service should look, and so on. Right, and then they um, made it freely available, and that could be made for a large part of. Uh, of a spacecraft as well, that you made it make the design of it freely available, then you still need to have the, I mean, access to uh, laboratories and uh, clean rooms and a lot of...
0: Uh, a lot of exploding materials as well.
1: Yes, uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of difficult things would would need to be have done, but uh, it would be interesting to see what could be made with this kind of... Uh, could be part of an industrial common or something that you really share the design of things and then you can evolve it together and work with it
0: because presumably all of the bits of a spaceship are, are quite proprietary and and sort of um, you know locked down by a particular organization.
1: Yes, that's uh, that's the traditional way of doing it. Is
0: that a safer way of doing it?
1: I think it's a way of uh, being assured that if you make for the space agencies, if they make an investment or what you can call it that to make uh, they are funding something, mm-hmm. then they know that they are funding the companies in their own country or the companies within European Space Agency and so on. <laughs> and then uh, that the value remains in the company, but it's also somehow an old fashioned way of doing it. Sure. So it be, would be interesting. There's a lot of talk of new space and being agile and uh, being able to send up small satellites. And I think that within this small space con- new space concept, it could actually be part that you have this open space concept to making uh, not only data more freely available, but also making space technology more available. The hardware itself. Yeah, the hardware itself, and make right. it easier to know what kind of hardware you should use and, uh, and to order it. And then I think the market could be growing with that so that you don't lose any value in, in the different value chains.
0: Your own private yeah. satellite.
1: Yeah, it would be fantastic with a private satellite, but it's difficult if you have to invent it for yourself.
0: Well, for sure. Yeah, Presumably, it's it's not going to be a cheap option, even if you do uh, get all the parts downloaded.
1: No, it no. will not. It's a lot of uh, really expensive metals involved. and.
0: Uh, but presumably, that could get a lot of industries into space that aren't currently.
1: Yes, and you could make uh, the creation or the crafting of the spacecraft could be made much more cheaper and cheaper. Uh, you can have more, more different in- industries going into the creation, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. right. I, I guess that's sort of the point of the story where Music Tech Fest comes into the picture. W- what was it about MTF that sort of uh, that drew you? Because you, you, you were involved and you seemed to be sort of uh, engaged in it. What, what was the thing that sort of made sense to you?
1: At first, actually, I must admit, I didn't understand a thing. It was like uh, <laughs> Michela phoned and asked, uh, "Oh, we would like access to some space data for this music thing," and I was okay. That's interesting. Now I must think really. And then it was—I think it was—it was actually a huge success. With help, we made a small a- API giving access to data through Google Earth Engine, and um, the nice thing was that this API, it was actually really used. Otherwise, it's kind of difficult You put up the space data, and you say, oh, we want to have a hackathon or something, and everyone is a bit reluctant because it's not that easy. Mm. But when it came to music, it was, first you have the data, and we made it easy to access it, and when people accessed it, they made Music of it, and I mean music it are, is art, so it's, it was, no one could make any mistake. It didn't matter how you did it. You, no one could say that, oh, f- you made that piece of music from that satellite image, that's not possible. That's that's wrong, actually. Because if you had made a land cover classification or you had made something for forestry or anything, uh-huh. that could easily be said, oh, no, that's actually wrong. That's. But with music, nothing could be wrong, so it really opened up the usability of the data in a really interesting way, I think.
0: Right, the usability is an interesting thing, but but uh, I, I guess somebody coming to this sort of uh, fresh would go, yes, but how is that useful? How is that something that you think is a good outcome?
1: Because it's, uh, I mean, it's opened up uh, totally new dimensions. You could use the data to uh, describe a feeling, a mood, for example, and then it was uh, one group that made it. They made a different kind of soundscapes, you could say, for the uh, from different cities globally. Then you could actually, I mean, you could using the satellite data, you could learn which kind of music people in different areas are listening to. And then you could make music lists, for example, based on in which landscape. Is it on the seashore or is it in the forest? And then you can get that information really quick, for example. Or so that I, I think you could actually make some kind of uh, art products from it. You can make music that uh, resembles the landscapes. And then it's also this aspect of that it's actually really fun that you can really play with it. You can have, I have this input and I get this output and it has a connection in a, it's about creating the connection. And that would be the same case for other application. I think as well, you need to have the data and an output and you need to create it. Mm -hmm. It's just that you don't need to be afraid in the same way when you create art. It's more forgiving, I would say. Yeah, there's no wrong answer,
0: but no. uh, but the other th- the other side of it, I guess, from a pragmatic perspective, is people seem really comfortable with the idea of visualization of data yep. um, and creative visualizations of data. It's just uh, th- the idea of translating to sound is something, and, and music uh, is something that's not probably that done as often, I guess. Yes,
1: yeah, right? I think yeah, and uh, and when you have these uh, satellite images, it's so obvious to make the vis- visualization. Yeah. I would say that's what we see in. Google Maps, for example, we see the we see the data. Mm -hmm. It's actually from an analysis point of view, it's kind of flat. You're taking out a lot of information, so that's also just being able to make something else out of it to extract other information, uh, different layers from it. I think that was that's why. I mean, we were really happy about it.
0: Judging from your own perspective of having seen this data of how the Earth is progressing and how we're getting on and movements of landscapes and, and all those sorts of things, are we okay here or are we going to have to pack our bags and, and get on some of these spaceships and go somewhere else?
1: I think that comparing to other places, this is the best place we know of, definitely. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, sometimes I use this uh, image from... Uh, from Apollo, when you see the surface of the moon and then you see the Earth at a far distance, and uh, the moon is really grey and sterile, and then you see this uh, blue marble, and uh, I mean it's it's amazing and it's so obvious. I I would I would really long home all the time if I was on the moon in the, that landscape, and then I saw when I saw the Earth coming up, and then oh no, there it is. I'm on the wrong place, actually.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what's the trajectory that gets you from this sort of... uh kid who's interested in animals and biology and, and these sorts of things to now being head of innovation for a national space agency there's got to be something in between those two things I mean studying really hard I guess is a kind of part of that going and getting a PhD and yes in science and those sorts of things but there's a bit in the, in the middle that I'm missing that you you sort of arrive at the Swedish National Space Agency fully formed or you you know you have a path within the agency how does that work?
1: No, I've been on the agency for one and a half year now. Okay. So I've been working as a consultant, working with uh, geographic analysis and uh, earth observation. And then I had a startup for two years. And I think that's the uh, key to getting into the to the space agency that I had this uh, startup innovation background, mm-hmm. which uh, I think helps me to understand what's needed for startups to actually succeed. I mean. Everyone can't end up at the space agency. Some need to be successful as well, I guess. So hopefully I can help them with that.
0: It sounds like a different kind of success, but the idea of space data being the basis on which new startups and uh, entrepreneurship is, is founded is a really kind of interesting thing. And it's not something that, I guess, a lot of people sort of think of in a a great way. But do you make that data available to to sort of, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and and people who want to start businesses in a particular way in a form that they can use, that they can build on top of and create new businesses? I mean, is that what it's for? Is that the mandate?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Actually, that's one of the goals we have to make it much easier to uh, access data and to make services based of it and uh, also to make some kind of, it's much about making also kind of a market as it is now. There is of course a market but it's uh, it's a lot of uh, I mean that's where we are. It's a lot of uh, government money in it and it's not always that easy to understand where the financing are going and who I should talk to and what to do and so on. So we also with this space data lab, the one of the aims is to make a marketplace where you can uh, actually get money to develop services and uh, then uh, use them both for governmental use and for private and commercial so users. what's
0: what's the hope with the space data lab i mean just that people use it or is there a sort of an end game in mind
1: yeah it's to in, improve the use of uh, space data in the society that's the main goal to have more more public benefit from space data to make sure that it's really used that's the. i mean that's the end game of it that's the target one part is to make it easy to access and to develop services on it and then to have both large and small companies working in the area
0: Mm -hmm. and i guess the other question i would have is how innovation is defined in terms of your job how how do you know when innovation has happened
1: i think it's when you have a viable business then you have an innovation i think uh, before you have a viable business then you have an idea and it's a lot of a focus on ideas. And I uh, try to work with having a lot of focus on uh, making actual business out of the ideas. But it's, I mean, you need to have the ideas to make the make the business, of course, but you can't stop with idea. You need to see how can I make a viable business out of this.
0: And is there a mechanism to support that?
1: Yes, we have together with um, European Space Agency, we have the ESA Business Incubators, which is a... Uh, startup help and then we also have innovation programs at agencies so if there are good ideas and uh, development that you want to do to uh, create a business then you can always uh, ask uh, us for support for it.
0: Sure. And of course you're now on the uh, steering board of the Industry Commons Foundation.
1: Yes and that's really interesting. It's uh, I think that it's a huge potential in uh, how to uh, work with uh, IPR and so on to make sure that uh, you can invent something that is later used. So I think it's uh I think this can be really interesting for the space sector as well to be able to uh license things between each other in a good way. Fantastic.
0: And work in partnership with other industries I guess yes. as well. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Because at the moment I mean it's uh it's kinda of difficult to be expert in everything and uh know when to license and when to not license and how to share and how to make everything work so i i really looking forward both for myself to learn more about it within uh within the sector and i think it's a good uh, opportunity for the space as well to uh working
0: with it fantastic tobias thanks so much for your time
1: ah thanks it's really nice being here
0: that's Tobias Edmund, Head of Innovation for the Swedish National Space Agency, and that's the MTF podcast. As we mentioned, Tobias is on the steering board of the new Industry Commons Foundation that's grown out of the MTF innovation ecosystem, and which is now registered in Stockholm to foster collaborative innovation and bring those new ideas to market. And if you want more information about that, just check out industrycommons.net. If you found this interesting, feel free to share, like, rate, and review, and we'll catch you soon. Have a great week. Cheers.